VGMP. Finally! Finally! VGMP has come back to Impala and back for season five. Five seasons of the video game movie podcast hosted by Rory Jocelyn and Jamie Evans. They didn't think we'd make it past one season, baby, but they underestimated how absolutely insane and clinically depressed we are. Five seasons of trying to review every video game movie adaptation ever made. They're nearly all garbage, but one time, sometimes, brother. Because it's turned from The Rock into Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Sometimes, brother, you better believe, brother, that there's a good one. Like Black Heaven, brother. Or Fatal Frame, brother. Or Silent Hill, brother. Or Sonic the Hedgehog, brother. And that might be it for good ones, actually. Point is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is the Video Game Movie Podcast. We've been going for five, five glorious seasons. And we are pleased to announce that today, as of the start of season five, we have officially found a new home, our rightful home, on the Impala Network. With as- Hulk Hogan. <laughs> With Hulk Hogan, brother. <laughs> Don't forget Macho Man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> as always, I am Jamie Evans, and I am joined, as per usual, by the psychopath who created this series. The man who looked at the video game movie landscape and said, hey, why does everyone talk about the same 30 video game movies and never talk about all the other ones? Well, the answer is because the other ones are all garbage. It's Rory Jocelyn. Hello, and I, I resent that only because we watch Black Heaven and that's never reviewed. Black Heaven is brilliant and it shouldn't be a video game movie because it's too good for that. <laughs> It's French. How dare you, sir? If I could start season five with anything, it's by recommending the audiences to go track down Black Heaven. <laughs> yes. It was, the, it was the, easily the best film we watched last year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, really surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. It's a French movie that I feel is handicapped by its description on IMDb. The description on IMDb makes it sound very similar to a show we reviewed in season three called Gamebox 1.0. Mm. The difference is Gamebox 1.0 is literal garbage. Yep. Where And Black Heaven is quite the opposite. And it's not just because the graphics look nicer because it's a more modern movie. Far from it. It's because the story is just that much better. Just to let everyone know, not including today's episode, we have currently covered 71 different adaptations of video game movies. Sometimes they're series, sometimes they're shorts. But in general, we are talking 71 separate adaptations. And I'm not talking about seasons 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. Whenever there's been a multi-season show, we've only ever done one episode. So you are looking at 71 different adaptations of video games into movies or TV shows. Some of those include culture series. So for those who don't know, we have two different categories. We have franchise movies which are ones based on actual video games themselves, such as the Super Mario Brothers movie, Sonic the Hedgehog movie, etc. And the alternative 
which is culture movies, ones that aren't based on a video game, but are about video gaming. So something like Tron or The Last Starfighter. And usually these have a lot of connections to video games. Sometimes there were games made after the film was released, but in themselves weren't based on an existing franchise. So there are some in the middle. Usually those get stuck into culture movies. So some, there, there was one we did last year called Maximum Surge, which includes actual video games that were made for full motion video in the early 90s by a particular company. The difference with that one, the reason that got stuck in culture, not franchise, is because it's basically just playing footage from the game, not actually adapting the game. So... Yeah, that's why that one got stuck in culture. Uh, another one for culture, by the way, as a big name that people would know, would be something like Wreck-It Ralph. And that was one that we also did last year. Good movie. Yeah, very good movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a sort of show where you're going to come here and just be like, oh yeah, they've, they've, I see they've just got all the popular adaptations like Mortal Kombat or Resident Evil. No, no, we are, we are putting a glove on this hand and we are reaching deep into the asshole of the industry. <laughs> And rooting around for some real, real hidden gems. We're talking shit that people have long since forgotten ever got made. Like, things that you have never heard of. Like Sega Hard Girls. Like Sega Hard Girls. That was our third episode. That was a bad choice for a third episode. Like the Power Stone animated series. Yes. Shit that you literally either have never heard of or have long since forgotten. We are going to cover it all, motherfuckers. Okay, so Rory, tell us what is our rate of double recommendation? So for everyone who doesn't know, at the end of every episode, Rory and I vote on whether or not we would recommend this particular adaptation to anyone. Um, Sometimes we agree, sometimes we differ. Out of curiosity, Rory, how many episodes out of 71 did you say? 71 adaptations. Out of 71, how many have we both agreed were recommendable? Double recommends, the number is 15 out of 71. Out of 71. Now that is, I've looked it up, that is the second highest recommendation rate. And the highest is a double now? By quite a margin. Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) Of course it is. Because most of these films are garbage. So hopefully you people are staying around to listen to the comedic stylings of myself and Rory. Yes. And not the actual films themselves, because they're garbage. Yes. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get on with today's episode. The first official episode of season five. And we wanted to kick things off with a bang. So we're going to say something that you will not hear often on this show. Today, we're looking at a high-budget movie... With an actual gosh darn A-list celebrity in it. Going all the way back to the year 2015. With a slight stop off in 2010. It's time to talk about Adam Sandler vehicle, Pixels. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about Pixels, the film that at one time had the most ridiculous portrayal of a president ever, and then Donald Trump got elected. (laughs) We are talking about 2015's Pixels, directed by Christopher Columbus. No, not the one who discovered America, the one who directed Home Alone and Home Alone 2. That guy. And Mrs. Doubtfire. And the first two Harry Potter movies. And the first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. My God, what happened? 
But first, before we get on to the Adam Sandler pixels, we want to take a little a little detour because we've done our research and talk about the actual initial short film that inspired Pixels. Yes. Released in 2010, this film is made by a French director. Yeah, it's a French film, actually, but it uses footage from America. Yeah, and it's only, like, what was it, like, three and a half minutes long? Something like that, yeah, it was two to three minutes long. Yeah, um, so out of curiosity, Rory, did you see this before you saw the feature Pixels, or did you see the feature first? Uh, no, I saw the feature first. I've only seen this one this year. Okay, and what led you yeah. to... Was it look for this show you looked yeah, it up? Yeah, I knew that the short existed. I think I'd seen images from it. Yes, I'd seen some screen grabs from the 2010 short, but I hadn't watched the whole thing start mm. to finish. In prepping for this episode, because I wanted to try and get us past the 100 mark at the end of Season 5, right. um, we should end, if we go on current projections, on 106 adaptations by the end of this year. I decided to slide this in, because it's only a couple of minutes, we can add it on. We basically get a two-for-one on Season 5 as a yeah. big hooray for Impala. So I watched it for this, and I was very surprised... I was very surprised at how much of the relatively high concept parts of Pixels 2015 came from this French short. Because you'd imagine being basically a very low budget short, it would be a bit crap (laughs) in comparison. But it wasn't. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, not to take anything away from the filmmakers. Mm. It's not really a film. It's a proof of concept. This is a proof of concept. Um, it plays more like a uh, a sizzle reel for an animator. Yes. Uh, because it's um, incredibly impressive visual effects Yeah, for a low-budget short. Incredibly impressive. There's not really a narrative to speak of. Your only vague narrative is that the pixels eventually conquer the world. Um, so for those who don't know, we start in Brooklyn... And there's a bunch of trash being dumped on the street. And amongst this trash is an old CRT television. That's right, yeah. And some pixels burst out of it. Yeah, it shows the uh, like an Atari uh, 2600 style screen with a bomb. I don't know if the Atari... It's called the Atari bomb on everything I've seen. But I don't know if the Atari bomb is an actual Atari program. Right. Or if that's just been invented for the film. Right. And basically, we get to see some shenanigans of the pixels taking the form of different classic video game characters and slowly conquering the world. So, for example, you get to see a bit of Arkanoid taking chips out of the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, You get to see Tetris taking out an apartment block. And eventually, the pixels all turn into a big old bomb, the Atari bomb, as you said. It explodes, which causes a ripple wave that turns the Earth itself into a pixel. And then we then do a God-level zoom out to reveal that that is one pixel in the infinite black background of the video game Asteroids. Yes. Uh, yep. So it's, it's relatively short, but it's very impressive, particularly if you're interested in uh, visual effects. I'm very impressed. I don't know exactly what budget they had, but I know I know as well as you know that short films don't tend to have a, a very high budget. So I thought they did pretty well. And I'm sure they were laughing all the way to the bank because I imagine that Happy Madison paid them pretty handsomely for the rights to this movie. Yeah, so from what I've seen, Adam Sandler appears to have seen this short Maybe he went to a film festival or something like that. But he saw the short and decided to buy the rights and then hired multiple writers to help him make the feature film. So there's a bit of trivia on the short film's IMDb page that says the people behind Pixels 2015 
made a DCMA takedown notice against Pixels 2010. So I think when they showed the video online, that maybe it was on YouTube, they uh, they basically sent them a notice to go take that down. Oh, fuck. Which is a bit shitty, considering you bought the rights to a film that already exists. Yeah. You know, you could have come up with your own damn concept. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if that's the reason. Unfortunately, that's actually not a unique story in the film industry. Stuff like that does happen. Yeah. One thing I will say about this is when I watched it, obviously it's all set in Manhattan pretty much, uh, outside of when it pans out to the globe. So supposedly it's... Oh, the short, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the short, sorry, yeah. It's all set in Manhattan pretty much, but I felt that this was a European production before... I, I didn't see no, it was a French production until after I'd seen it. But while I watched it, I was like, this is very unusual for an American production in the fact that there is actually quite a lot of references to video gaming stuff that I would not have expected from an American production. Right. And that's why, it's because it's a French one. A lot of them are almost Amiga-centric, which was not as popular a format. Amiga was a, a home computer console in the 80s and early 90s. It was very, very popular in Europe. Not so much so in America. Right. There's signs for Ocean which was a distributor and company that would convert games largely to the Amiga. And then you've got Psygnosis, which had the big owl character and the, the stylish font. That has now become Sony Liverpool. Downgrade. Big downgraded name. And they don't have the owl. I'm like, the owl was cool. Why the fuck have Sony got a base in Liverpool? Liverpool. 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 Why? I don't know. Like, of all places in Britain, fucking Liverpool. Liverpool? I've never been to Liverpool, to be no. fair. It's probably I'm sh- lovely. I'm sure it's a lovely place. Yes, it's a pool of livers. It is the worst accent in the country. And it was it was literally voted that. Oh, was it? Yeah. But Essex was voted second worst. So. Oh, well, I mean, they're not wrong. Matsfield! <laughs> Matsfield Massive! <laughs> Matsfield was so insignificant it didn't even rate on the list. So, Sony Liverpool, eh? Yeah. Um, what, what games have Sony Liverpool made? And I'll answer that, don't worry. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing valuable. Did they work on Spider-Man? So, Sony Liverpool... Oh, blimey. Right, so Sony oh, Liverpool... Oh, fuck, I'm about to get schooled. No. You can tell, by the way, he's just said, oh, blimey. I actually don't think you will. Okay, so they're two big franchises, seems to be the bulk of their work. Go on. Wipeout and Formula One. Neither of those are games. What? Wipeout is, but... What? I, I'll be honest, I struggle Wipeout? with Wipeout. Wipeout's a ra- futuristic racing game. Since when? Since 1995. What, they're still making games now? Yes. I thought the only racing game that still got made was Forza. Wipeout was seen in the arcade scene in Hackers. It was also a Irrelevant. massive title on the Sega Saturn and the PlayStation. Stop giving me 90s examples. What's the most modern Wipeout game? In 1995. What is the most modern Wipeout <laughs> game and what year did it release? In 1995. <laughs> this could tell this isn't a franchise, isn't it? Go on. No, it is a franchise. If they have not released a game in the last seven years, they are not a franchise. They did one for the PlayStation Vita in 2012. Oh, ten years ago. They did twelve one. years ago. PlayStation Three in 2009. Wipeout HD Fury, though that's DLC for Wipeout HD. Yeah, which was 2008. Yeah, again, more than ten years ago. Yeah, blimey, this is still under their old name though, because they used to do. Because um, this was back when Psygnosis worked with DMA Design, who would later go on to become Rockstar. Right. Uh, so, Psygnosis and Rockstar... Basically, it's <laughs> what is now Sony Liverpool and Rockstar made Lemmings together. Right. Lemmings, that was a good game. Fate has been merged, so they don't even exist anymore since 2012. That's why. 
Right. Um, they've been merged into just mainline Sony. Right, so they're not a company anymore. Not anymore, but they, when they were a company, they were like when they were Psygnosis, they were awesome. Uh, it looks like Sony bought them and went, all you're allowed to do is F1 and wipe out. <laughs> and wipe out. In terms of racing, I know Gran Turismo, mm. PGR, yep. Forza, yep. Mario Kart. Sega Rally. One of these things. Daytona not- USA. No, 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 no. Rory. We're not, go- we're not doing this in season five. Metropolis Street Racer. Things that are still going. Crazy Taxi. Things that are still going. Crazy Taxi is coming back. Coming back, but it's not back yet. <laughs> and it's not a racer. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's a pickup. It's and a take- race against time, Jamie. No, it's not. We're a ra- all in a race against time. <laughs> yes, yes. The inevitable slow heat death of the universe. We get it. <laughs> you're not. You're not racing in laps against opponents. You are racing to pick up pimps and hookers and things and take them to target what locations. What version of Crazy Taxi did you play, and where can I get it? <laughs> no, I just know what New York taxi cabs are like. But back to the short. So there's a lot of different video games showcased. You've got Space Invaders. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Arkanoid. Tetris is shown. It they basically remove a line of a Centipede? big tower block. Centipede isn't in this actually. It is in the in the feature, but it's yeah. not in uh, the short. Donkey Kong's in it. Yeah. He's uh, on he top of the parodies King Kong, don't he? Yeah. Throwing barrels down. There are some amazing effects in this short film mm. uh, there's a bit where Donkey Kong throws a barrel down into the street it hits a moving yellow taxi cab and the taxi cab crumbles into blocks yes and I'm just looking at all of this going these guys are incredible like mm. I hope they all got jobs in the industry oh me too this is fantastic work no wonder someone not just Sandler in specific but no wonder someone bought the rights and went we could do something with this yeah <laughs> So, so someone bought the rights and proceeded to do absolutely nothing with this. Oh no, five years later, a, a diamond of a film came out. So let's just finish up on Kevin the short James then. President. <laughs> the short film is very interesting in the fact that there isn't really a soundtrack. It's largely all just native audio. And obviously the sound effects of like, doing, 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 and things like that, that the uh, arcade games would make. So, okay, so there's not a huge amount left to say about this. As a short film, because it's only very short. Yeah. I thought it looked really awesome. I thought it sounded good, despite the fact that there's no soundtrack. Maybe that would have elevated it. I don't know. But the effort on it was incredible. I would recommend for people to watch it. It's only a few minutes long. It's available for free on YouTube. I would recommend people to go and watch the 2010 Pixels short. What about yourself? I mean, there's no narrative as well, which makes it hard for me to write because I'm a very narrative person. Definitely, if the choice is between this or the feature, pick this. It'll waste <laughs> less. It'll waste less of your life, mm. um, and it's arguably better. Um, and definitely, if you're if you are interested in visual effects and what can be done with visual effects on an indie budget, yep, definitely, definitely check this out. General audience probably aren't going to care. Okay. So are you giving it a maybe? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like these guys put a lot of effort in and they kind of deserve the win. And it's only three and a half minutes long and it's on YouTube. So I guess, yes, I'll recommend it. Hey! (laughs) I'll recommend it. I, I don't think many will watch it. No. But but that's not for us to decide whether someone thinks three minutes is worth their time or not. Our recommendation is if you've got three minutes, you want to watch a short, is it worth, is yeah. this a good one or are you going to be like, why the fuck did I waste three minutes? Yeah. Um, I would say yes. You're saying yes. Pixels is a win. 2010 anyway. So hooray. And Jamie, now we get 
to the really good stuff. So now we're moving on to 2015's Pixels, the feature film, directed by Christopher Columbus, starring Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Josh Gad, and Peter Dinklage. Yes. Also featuring Michelle Monaghan, Sean Bean, Brian Cox, Fiona Shaw, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, Jane Krakowski. Yep. From Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, there's a lot of names in this. It had yeah. it had a budget, a good budget. It had a strong cast. And I'll be honest, the first thing I want to say about this is it has amazing visual effects. So, can it sustain or has it all gone wrong, JB? <sighs> so, I'm going to try and be as impartial as I can here, but I am half a bottle of whiskey down. Already. We have not even finished the first episode. <laughs> this is... The biggest problem in this film yep. is its star. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Okay. Adam Sandler is an actor who has a weird reputation. Because here's the thing about Sandler. Let's get real for a minute. Adam Sandler is actually a pretty good actor. When he puts some fucking effort in, mm. he has done some pretty darn good performances in his career. Even after Pixels, you know, something like Uncut Gems. Yeah. The problem is, nine times out of ten, Sandler decides he would rather get paid a shitload of money to just be Adam Sandler hanging around with his friends. Yeah. And at a certain point in time, that worked. That equaled big bucks. It doesn't work anymore. This is one of the laziest Sandler performances I have ever seen. I'm being a lot less unbiased than I meant to be. But it is a late. I do see your point. It's uh, he has some good lines, and I think he's all right towards the end of the film. But certainly in the opening, where it's it's laying out the potential relationship between him and Monaghan, yeah, which doesn't work. There's no chemistry there. No, there's no chemistry. But also his performance doesn't give her anything to bounce the off. The biggest of. problem here is obviously because Sandler's also the producer and yeah. he's involved in the writing process. Yes, he's not committing to the character. So, for those who don't know, the gimmick of this film is we actually start with a flashback back in the 1980s, where a young Sandler, a young Kevin James, and a young Josh Gad, which, first of all, sidebar, who do they think they're fooling pretending Josh Gad is the same age (laughs) as Adam Sandler and Kevin James? I think we looked it up, and isn't he a full 10 years younger? I think it's 15 years. 15 Uh, years! Yeah, I'm just going to look it up again, so we've got that. Adam Sandler was born in 1966. Yep, and Kevin James was about the same time. Kevin James was born in 1965. Yep. So, 65, 66. Josh Gad was born in 1981. Yeah. So, 15 years between, at least between the two, uh, between all three. There is a 15... Now, don't get me wrong, I know obviously it's just acting, but it is obnoxious when they are trying to claim that Kevin James and Adam Sandler are the same age as Josh Gad, who, yeah. by the way, might be the best actor in the movie. Who, Josh Gad? Josh Gad. I thought you were going to say Kevin James. He's, I'm like, no way. He's definitely the actor most committed to the part that he's playing. Yes. Yeah, oh, I don't know, actually. I actually think Peter Dinklage does quite a good job with Dinklage his role. Dinklage does a good job as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they're, they're three nerdy kids in 1982 or so, even though Josh 19- Gad wasn't born until 1981, but Yeah, whatever. he'd have been one years old. <laughs> 
they're, they're all sort of, I guess they're all sort of 12-ish yeah, in this flashback. Like and they go to play in a gaming tournament hosted by Dan Aykroyd. Yep. And they come against Eddie Fire something. It just says Eddie on oh, okay. calling Eddie. So they come against a guy called Eddie, uh, played by Peter Dinklage. Now, Eddie is actually based, uh, allegedly... No, can't, he's, can't he's, get sued. He's based visually and in his performance a little bit on Billy Mitchell from yes. uh, but now Billy from Mitchell King of Kong. Yes, so there's a documentary film called King of Kong, which just to be fair, I've heard quite a bit may have been um, narrative, like not fabricated, not fabricated, but they bent things to give it a bit, yeah, to give it a more narrative flow. Right. Um, though all the same, I've watched King of Kong. It's really enjoyable to watch. Uh, one thing that is kind of hinted at but not fully focused on and has come to light since, allegedly, is that Billy Mitchell, who is pl- kind of quote-unquote plays a villain, even though he's basically just a reigning champ, there's been on and off queries on whether or not he cheated for his right. his high scores. And that's been on and off for about 20 years. At the moment, it looks like he may have done, but that is still in contest. So as of uh, early 2024... Uh, but there, yeah, it's constantly in contest. Billy Mitchell as a person has a big beard, very all all style American. He wears uh, a American flag tie, and he has this famous company of selling sauces. I think it's called Ricky's World, uh, Ricky's Chili Sauce or something. But I don't know who Ricky Billy. is. I know I don't know who Ricky is, but it's Ricky's World Famous Sauce or something like that, and it's a type of hot sauce, and. This character was also referenced when we did Noobs in season one. Mm. Uh, the character who is Armageddon. Armageddon. He's stated to be a snow globe, so like the greatest snow globe salesman. He has the world's greatest snow globes. And that was kind of a piss take on, you know, the guy who was the reigning champ is now just a guy who oh, sells, sorry. yeah, some, some sort of salesman. But I will, I will admit, Armageddon was kind of cool. Frogger? I like that. And I couldn't believe we saw that guy again. He was in joysticks. Yeah, best thing in noobs. Yeah. Best thing in joysticks. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So they they play him, they play Eddie. The tournament comes down to the finalists between Adam Sandler and Eddie. On Donkey Kong. And the game is Donkey Kong. And what we get established here is that Adam Sandler's entire skill is pattern recognition. Yeah. He's nerdy to a... That's the benefit of most gamers. Yeah. He's nerdy to a degree where he can figure out the patterns and beat them. And Eddie mocks him and he's like, oh, famously, Donkey Kong is random, so patterns ain't going... As you go up the higher levels, it becomes more random, apparently. I don't know if that's true That's not not. true, no. It's not true? No. Okay, that's not true, apparently. But he's obviously saying that to excuse the fact that he's going to cheat. Yeah, which we don't know yet. No. But yeah. Um, and Adam Sandler loses. We then skip ahead to Adam Sandler being, I guess he's supposed to only be 30 somewhere, but he's blatantly a 40-year-old man. <laughs> he's uh, he's swanning around like, it would work if he was in his late 20s, but just, he's not. Just make Josh Gad older. Yeah. Don't cast Josh Gad in this role. Yeah. The problem is then, you remove one of the most committed actors in the past. Okay, fine, get rid of Sandler. <laughs> he's uh, not going to get rid of himself from his own film, is he? He would if he didn't have an ego. Anyway, um, and this is the problem with this character, is he's supposed to be an ultra nerd, mm. obsessed with gaming, he's a fucking tech installer as an adult, Yeah, but he's still trying to play that typical Sandler, 
oh, I'm too cool and I laugh at nerds role. Yeah. And it, it means the entire film feels like it's at war with itself. His whole character is inconsistent in tone because, like, you're right, he spends the whole film like, it's about pattern recognition. You know, he's, he's the nerd who's got that on lock. And yet he spends the whole film slagging off how nerdy Josh Gad is, saying, you know, basically, I'm too cool for this shit. Yeah. And it's like, you can't be both. I'm sorry, you can't be the high, the best pattern-recognizing flipping nerd mm. ever in the world and too cool for nerding. Yeah. You can't be both. You're as, you should be as nerdy as Josh Gad. Yeah. And in fact... You could even do it that he thinks he's too cool for it. And his character arc is he realises he's fucking not. Yeah, but he doesn't, does he? No, there is no arc no for Sandler's Sand- character. character. Which is a shame because they could have, if they wanted to play it that way, that would have been fine. He could have lost all of his other nerdy friends because he thought he was genuinely too cool for yeah. them. But now he's just the tech installer guy. Yeah. That would have been a decent arc. Yeah. Now, early on in this in the film... We get to a bit that shows how this film is made incompetently. Now, Chris... No, I'm serious here. So, Adam Sandler is experienced in comedy, yes? Yes, he is. Chris Columbus has a good track record of comedy. Two Home Alone films, Mrs. Doubtfire, etc. Yeah. This film wants you to believe that Kevin James is the president. Which is a ridiculous statement to start with. But here's the thing. The joke that reveals that is done badly. Yeah. It, we, we get a typical Sandler-style scene where he's talking to his friend, we think at the time, Kevin James, yep. and they're just doing typical middle-aged guy bullshit. Yep. Where it's like, oh, you know, the job's got me so busy, I never, barely ever see the wife, etc., etc. But now Sandler's being like, oh, you know, forget those stiffs at work, blah, 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 blah. And the, the twist is Kevin James is the president. That's the punchline. Yeah. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Except the punchline, what the punchline should be is the Secret Service step in and say something, which they do in a minute. But instead of just doing the Secret Service bit and revealing, oh, fuck, this guy's the president. How the fuck did he become president? We cut to the television Mm. for a 2008 joke about George W. Bush reading stories to children but he can't read. Yeah, this is the least believable part of this. Also because they drop it as a story element, mm. like halfway through the film. It's not even a character arc. It's, it's, yeah, I can read, late. whatever. It's too late for this joke. This, yeah. is, this is 2015. We are at the very end of the Obama presidency. And he had two terms. And he had two terms, and Bush had two terms. Yep. And the 9-11 stuff was in his first term. Yep. yep. So you're joking about like three presidential terms ago. Yep. I don't think Kevin James should have been in this scene. Because the reveal of him as president would have been, like, that would have been the funny reveal, is when he's, we basically see Sandler get called into the president's oh, office. and Monaghan's acting like she's too good for yeah. him. And yeah, we're sitting there going, right, that'd be yeah. better. and then we could follow with her going, why the fuck is he being asked to see the president? And then the door opens and it, that the joke is there. Boom. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking Kevin James yeah. as the president. Yeah, you're right. Way funnier. Yeah. Way funnier. And then he starts like, acting like an arsehole and Kevin James yeah. can be like, no, dude, like, Seriously, act like yeah. a professional. Like, this, I'm not, I don't work here. I can do what well, I want. This is another plot line that gets dropped. Is He, he goes to Michelle Monaghan's house to install some shit. Yep. And as he's installing it, he gets to talking to her because she's having a bit of a breakdown because her ex-husband's moved on or something. Yep. And 
they're drinking together, and then he goes to kiss her, and she gets really weird with him, doesn't she? Yeah, she's like, did you really think I want to kiss you? She's basically implying he's not good enough for her. Yeah. Which, fine, have that storyline, except 20 minutes into the film, that gets dropped. Yep. And it's like, no, do this storyline. She thinks she's too good for him because he's, you know, she's higher class or whatever. But here's the thing: that that back and forth isn't consistent either. Mm. There's something else wrong with the script. It, there's no consistency. So she starts off and she's like, they have this deep connection, which I'll be honest, the performances don't actually. There's no chemistry to show that. But okay, in dialogue, we're getting this whole thing that they're being drawn together because of you know both of them have been screwed over in life. When they're both going into the White House. She's basically slagging him off, basically like he's a piece of scum. Like, what? Why would they even invite you? You're a dick. Like, and it's like, well, you weren't this much of a bitch earlier. Like, what? Where did this come from? Then it gets dropped, and she's friendly with him. And then a little bit later, it's like, oh, it's you, the asshole. Yeah. And then it co- then it goes away again. It's like, oh, we're at this dinner now, and we're all friends. It's like, which is it? Yeah. Like, if you're gonna do this storyline, gradiate it properly. Yeah. You know. Have her start with the being on the bottom and then going, hang on, I'm, I deserve better than this. And, you know, dropping down to being the asshole, and then building back up over yeah. the film. Not up, down, zigzagged, who yeah. knows where we are today. The whole reason that he's been called in to see the president is that a US Air Force base has been attacked uh, by Pixels. And they're all watching the footage, and Adam Sandler watches the footage, and he comes in and because he's the only one who could save the world, yeah. And he just walks in to a fucking briefing of the president, the army, and all sorts. Oh, the reason he's been called in is because uh, Kevin James notices how the uh, there was a soldier that was basically taken away, beamed up. But the way he beams up is uh, it's a space invader, basically shines a light on him, and he turns into pixels and like disappears, yeah. which is a really cool effect. Mm, except the game wasn't space invaders. The game is Gallagher. Oh, that was Gallagher, sorry. No, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Right. I got it wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, but it gets beamed up. It turns into all these blocks and he screams as he does it, which is kind of mm. horrific and really cool. Yeah. Um, and it was because of the way Gallagher plays. Uh, Kevin James is like, this attack, can you have a look at this? The reason he asks him in is because he's like, this kind of looks like a video game, but he doesn't want to seem like an idiot yeah. by going into a room full of generals going, this was a video game. But he knows that if it is a video game, Adam Sandler's character would know it. That's a perfectly fine reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Sandler walking into the meeting, because Kevin James doesn't invite him into the meeting. No, he, he doesn't. doesn't. He walks in, in by himself. Yeah. He walks in. You're telling me there's no CIA, no FBI guard There's no the security. Yeah. He walks in, and he's like, oh, it's Gallagher. And cut to one of the only actually funny jokes in the movie, yep. which is the woefully underutilised Brian Cox yep. playing a parody of a standard American military general. Yep. He goes, you were attacked by Gallagher, and Brian Cox goes, Gallagher, damn it, bomb him, bomb him to hell. Where's Gallagher? Yeah. <laughs> and I liked that because, let's be honest, that's American generals, isn't it? <laughs> they're always looking for war. That's the stereotype, at least. Yeah, yeah. The, their solution is bomb everything that moves. Yeah, but um, what I liked about the scene, this is something that I do think the film does get right. Adam Sandler's character conveys the fact that he knows that it's Gallagher and he knows it's from a specific time period. Because they patched out the movement. Yeah, and there's a certain move that the Gallagher, the invading Gallagans do, which only existed in the 1982 release of Gallagher, and then got patched out, as you say. Yeah. 
and it would require someone who's really nerdy with pattern recognition to get that. Again, that's a brilliant concept to bring in why nerds are the ones to be able to see the problem before the military generals. But here's the other issue. You've got that level of pattern recognition, but he's too cool to be a nerd. You know who should be playing this part? And it's it's too... The time frame doesn't match. Sure. Because he'd retired by this point. This should be a Rick Moranis type. I was going to say Rick Moranis. You are 100% right. It should have be been Rick, Rick Moranis. Moranis type. Um, yeah, if there was anyone who was Rick Moranis-esque in 2015, it should have gone to them. Toby um, Jones? Yeah. I mean, why didn't One Adam's... of the Big Bang Theory, lads. I mean, it could have been, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, why didn't Sandler put himself as the president role? Because that would have worked just as well. That's true. But why not make the president be the one who gets the win in the end? Because mm. like, Adam Sandler's character, I'm sorry, you could have made, merged his role with the president role and lost nothing. The only thing that you could have lost is the fact that he's like the working class guy that the woman thinks she's too good for. But I'll be honest, that didn't play out anyway. The, the whole thing works better if this was a Rick Moranis type. Yeah. Who was a nerd. Yeah. And was a bit sort of like, oh, you think you're too good for me? Oh, gosh, I guess you are. And then proves that she's not. Yeah. And the other thing as well is when he walks into the meeting with the military generals, the military generals are obviously like, who's this twerp? Like, getting mm. like doing all this stuff Adam Sandler's just like hey I'm the guy who knows stuff blah 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 like he's he's too chill for it yeah whereas an, he should have been more of a nerd like oh damn I'm actually talking to fucking generals like yeah. as if but I do know better than they yeah. do um actually uh, actually general sir um yeah. actually this was only found in the uh, 1982 yeah. version of and Gallagher. then they can scorn him like yeah. what the hell you sweaty little nerd <laughs> We, we should have had Rick Moranis still around. It's a shame that he had to retire. Yeah, what a lovely guy, though. Oh, yeah, fair, fair play to him. Like, he retired to raise his children and whatnot. Yeah, because his wife passed um, away. Fair play to him, totally. What a lovely guy. So, basically, here's the setup of the film. They sent a space probe out into space. In 1982. That had elements of world culture in it, which is a real thing that's happened in... NASA have done that. Yeah. And they included a bunch of video game footage on it. And it was all taken from the... Um, the What's it called? The, they had th- that competition the, the they were at. Yeah. So they're literally part of that capsule. Yeah. And some unspecified aliens have picked up this probe seen this footage and interpreted it as a challenge for war. Yeah. They send a message that I don't think we were calling it this in 2015, but it's essentially deep fakes. Yeah. Where they've taken old footage from the 80s of like Ronald Reagan, yep. Madonna, things like that. Different TV shows. And made it appear like they're threatening the earth. Now I have to say, the visual effects team in this film honestly deserves so much yeah, credit. Yeah, yeah. I can't fault the visual this effects. This looks movie. incredible. It actually looks like those people are saying yeah. the lines. Yeah, I can't fault the visual effects in this. Yeah. They're, they're the MVPs of the movie. Oh, they're the MVPs of the industry because to be honest, I haven't seen anything hold up as well as this. Um, the visual effects in this still hold up. And it helps that yeah. they're not trying to look realistic. Yeah, I get that. To look pixelated, but yeah. at the same time, like they haven't aged. No. They haven't dated. No, they haven't. They look really good. They do, yeah, yeah. Again, this deep fakery would have been the one where it should have fallen flat and it didn't. No, it still looks good. I believe Ronald Reagan was threatening them. <laughs> yeah. And Madonna. <laughs> and they basically say that there's gonna be three basically they've both sides have got three lives. Yep. The humans have lost one life because they lost the Air Force base. That's right. And 
whoever wins keeps the planet. So if the aliens win, they conquer us. If the humans win, they can keep the planet. So they then lose a second one, which is the Taj Mahal gets taken out by Arkanoid, is it? Uh, that's it, yeah. Arkanoid take out the Taj Mahal and take a young Indian man who's proposing trophy. to his girlfriend, yeah, as yes, the trophy. They took, they took a soldier from the Air Force Base and a young Indian man. Um, so now I don't know how they thought the young Indian man was a soldier of any kind. Like, no, no, but it's trophies, isn't it? Oh, I suppose, yeah. Um, so now humans are down to their last life. If they lose one more game, they're out. it's game over. Yeah. And they get told that they'll be contacted about the next game. So the president crea- uh, invites Adam Sandler and Josh Gad, who plays a character called Lulu Lemonsoft, to be part of a special team called the Arcaders. Ludlow Lemonsoft. Ludlow Lemonsoft. Uh, Lemons, Lemonsaf. Fuck knows. <laughs> it's Lulu Lemonsoft. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's just go with that. Um, they get hired to try and train a group of soldiers to beat whatever the next game is, but they don't know what the next game is going to be. This leads us to one of the only other actually funny scenes in the film. Yep. Which is Josh Gad doing a parody of Full Metal Jacket. Uh, the scene where Arlie Erm is like, "You are maggots." Josh Gad is doing that. To I mean, we all know Josh Gad. He's a short, fat guy. Yeah. And he's doing this to these fucking Ripped. muscle-bound <laughs> fucking soldiers. What Did you see one of these dudes? It was like a what, pillar of man. One of these dudes looks like he didn't do roids. He ate another man who did roids. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he went up to, like, a roided-out Mr. Olympia bodybuilder. And just ate and him. ate him. <laughs> like, this man is a giant. And Josh Gad is right up in his face like, you're a pussy. Yeah. He's, it's he's... actually quite funny. Josh Gad commits to the role. Yeah, no, I have to give him that. All credit to him. So then they invent these weird light guns uh, that supposedly can destroy the pixels. And they get finally get the coordinates of the next battle, which is in London. Right. And my God. Right, so it's in Hyde Park in London. And let me tell you... I would bet money they did exactly one shot in London, which is the aerial shot that establishes yeah. that it's London, or they which was probably footage. stock footage, <laughs> yeah. and everything else is just in a park in LA. Yep, yeah. Uh, there is a deliberate reason it's in Hyde Park and not anywhere else in London that would be recognisable. Yeah, it's not in the middle of the street or outside Parliament Square yeah. or anything like and that. And this is where we get two woefully underused actors in here. Uh, also, former- there's a rugby guy with the worst English accent ever. Yeah, it's exactly an American going. All right, Gov, what's yeah. that? And you're like, fuck off. Uh, former VGMP <laughs> star Fiona Shaw uh, plays the female prime minister of the UK. Yep. Who I thought at first might be a Theresa May parody, and then realised that Theresa May hadn't happened yet. Yep. So I'm guessing it's a Thatcher parody. Yep. Which is uh, again, like we're talking about way Bush too old. was. Yeah, Bush was ten years yeah. old already by this point. Yeah. Fiona Thatcher's Sh- thirty. Yeah. Years and old. Fiona Shaw's too good for this. Yeah. I've seen her. Well, I mean, she was in Super Mario Brothers, so I don't know. She's also also in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, again. I'm sorry, if she's in the Harry Potter movies, she's not too good for this. And she is the villain in the. Ooh, I want to say. Oh, I want to say fourth season of True Blood, but I might be wrong about that. But she's a villain in True Blood. She's a villain in True Blood. Um, She's a great actress. Also underutilised in this scene is another fellow VGMP alum. Yep. 
Mr. Sean Bean. Yes. 006 himself. The guy who <laughs> dies in the guy who dies in every movie except fucking Silent Hill. Where and he survives one. not one, but two. Two Silent Hill movies this man survived. Two Silent Hills and a Pixels. He's in this film as an army general or lieutenant or whatever the title is. Woefully underutilized. I'm telling you now, Rory. Yep. So he's pissed all the way through this scene, isn't he? Oh, he's clearly I drunk. I don't, I don't mean pissed as in drunk. I mean pissed as in angry. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's think, angry to be here. Yeah, I don't think Sean Bean's acting. <laughs> I don't think Sean Bean knew he was in this movie. I don't think he wanted think, to be. I think Sean Bean was just walking through Hyde Park one day, cosplaying as an army soldier. <laughs> if I, don't think, I think he might be an army soldier on weekends. I think he might be one of those reserve people. And Adam Sandler walked up to him and was trying to do all his Adam Sandler shtick. And Sean Bean was just like, all right, you fucking nipple twister. Yeah, that nipple twister was the best insult in this film. Get the fuck out of here, yeah, mate. Yeah. What uh, the fuck are you doing? The fact that he, I'm guessing he did read the script, though, because he at one point calls them wieners. And as soon as I heard that, I went, yeah, this is an American script. Wiener. British people don't say the word wiener. No. It's just not a British word. No, I've never heard it's like hearing it. it. It's like when you hear Americans going, hey, wanker. And you're like, mate. That's not an American word. You don't say it unless you're saying it to a Brit. Yeah. So maybe that's why they were like, oh, he's using the word wiener because he knows yeah. it's an Americanism. But it just doesn't sound right in, in, in Bean. So skip all the other bollocks. The game begins. Yep. And it's 80s hit Centipede. Yes, fantastic. Uh, this is a good sequence in terms of its visual effects. The visual effects are very cool. Yes. Very colourful. Incredible. Very bright. Yeah. Here's my problem with the sequence. Okay. The army don't listen to Sandler. Yeah, they're not they watching keep, the patterns. And they keep shooting the centipede, even though he's told them don't shoot the centipede. Because it's Shoot it in the head only. Yeah, not yeah, in the middle. Otherwise it splits. Yeah. Now I, I get... <laughs> Ah, uh, I don't want to be too picky because at the end of the day, this is a comedy movie. Yeah, but I get the, I, you know, I, I get that they need Sandler to be the hero. But here's the thing: soldiers follow orders. That's what soldiers do. If you've told them do not hit this thing in the head, they wouldn't. Even if they disrespected Sandler and did it once, soldiers would. I refuse to believe they're all morons. They'd see, oh shit, I hit. Sorry, I hit it not in the head, and it split better not do that again. Yeah. But they don't. I think this is one of those things where you're just going to have to go with it. Yeah. Like, I, I forgive this scene. Like, there's a lot of sins that this film has, but this is one that I don't really have a problem with. Because then Sandler and Gad decide to just do it themselves. Yeah, I think the main reason, though, they do explain it is specifically it's pattern recognition. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they've been training since childhood at this sort of pattern recognition the soldiers haven't. But aiming on an arcade machine is not the same as aiming an actual gun. Yeah, no, I can be the best with that. GoldenEye player in the world or the best <laughs> COD player in the world, etc., etc. But if you got into a duel with an actual sharpshooter... Oh, you'd lose. You're yeah. losing, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's like me going, hey, guess what? I fucking aced career mode on SmackDown versus Raw 2011. <laughs> I'm going to get in the ring with the fucking Undertaker in a cage match. <laughs> fucking bone sore is ready. You're getting your ass handed to you, yeah. Exactly. And even now, like Undertaker's 50-odd years old and like retired, and he'd probably still kick the living yeah. shit out of me. I will say this, though. This is something that you do have to generally go with in films. Yes. This is... I know it's a stretch... 
But bear in mind that, that we're in a situation where real life yeah. video games are attacking. I, yeah, I would have a lot more sympathy for this scene and a lot more benefit of the doubt for this scene if everything leading up to this point hadn't been as bad as it is. Yeah, I think so. We'll get to the act structure at the end, I think. But the scene itself is filmed well. I'll yeah. give it that. It's the, choreographed well. I don't have a problem with this scene. I think no. this scene is fine. The action the, feels fine. I like the bit where the centipede, it eventually breaks off of the normal playing field. Yes. And there's a really cool scene where it goes into an apartment building and it's like curling round the corridor. That's so which is cool. Very cool. Yeah. And then you get a, f- a fairly not a hilarious joke, but one that made me go, huh? Eh. Uh, where there's an old woman, isn't there, doing In an like apartment. a workout exercise yeah. video, and the centipede bursts through the door. She doesn't notice it, and the centipede kind of stops, looks at the TV, and starts doing the exercises with her. Yeah, that's uh, funny. Yeah, I was fine with that. But eventually Sandler wins and he kills the centipede. Yeah. And they get given a trophy for this. After this scene, the humans know about the trophies. The first one is actually the dog from Duck Hunt. That's it. And it goes up to the old lady and she essentially, the the suggestion is that she keeps it as a pet. Right. But the thing is, if we're supposed to know that there's these trophies, well, she's not connected to the military at all. Yeah. So, like... I was just like, oh, so this is going to be a way that the plot twists where we don't realise we're being given trophies too and that is going to come back on itself and that reveal itself as like a villain later or... But it doesn't. No, it just, it's forgotten. It's just like, oh, that was a one and done joke. And you're like, well, that's kind of actually important to the plot. That's something I don't forgive. I can forgive Adam Sandler being good enough at shooting centipedes where the army isn't, but the fact that they just left that plot thread dangling, nah. See you after the break. Uh, we then get some downtime back in the lab. Um, Adam Sand- So we, we, I don't think we mentioned that Michelle Monaghan actually has a kid. And Sandler hangs out with him a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's playing The Last of Us. Yes. And Sandler's watching him play and he's like, oh God, this game's awful. Like, back when I was, back in my day, you know, <laughs> games were all about pattern recognition and they had skills as well. This guy, like, this, how can you predict any of this? This just looks so violent. Yeah. And the kid turns to him, again, this is one of the actual legit funny lines in the yep. film. He goes, the key is to pretend you're the guy and you don't want to die. Yeah. That works, because that is a good big difference between classic gaming and modern modern gaming. gaming. There isn't a lot of pattern recognition in modern gaming, outside of a a few genres, like shmups and obviously rhythm games and stuff like that are pattern recognition. But generally, like, you know, most action games now aren't pattern recognition. Did you just shorten shoot-em-ups to shmups? It's a well-known shortening. No, it's not. I've never heard that in my life. That's because you're not nerdy enough, my friend. I have literally never Shmup is very no, common. I've heard shoot em up. Shmup. Never heard that. That's like the sort of thing that the kind of guy who blows loads into Sega Saturns would say. Anyway. Stop bringing back things from Sega Hard Girls that were disturbing. <laughs> this bit's all irrelevant, so we're going to skip it. And we now get to the best bit of the movie, which is the next. They have to go get Eddie. Yep. 
because uh, they realise they need help. And he's in prison. Yeah, for like tax evasion or something? Tax evasion, something like that. And this is kind of like the film Armageddon when they're trying to convince them to help and they're like, I don't want to pay taxes ever again. Yeah. And they say to him, what do you want in exchange to help the US government? And he says, A, he never wants to pay taxes again. Yep. And B, he wants to be in the middle of a Serena Williams and Martha Stewart sandwich. Yep. Fair play to the bloke. That's an odd choice. That is a that is an eclectic choice. It would be one thing to say you want to be in the middle of both of the Williams sisters. Yeah. Like that would be the that would be where my logic went. Maybe I'm just a sick perv. But this guy wants, you know, pro tennis athlete Serena Williams <laughs> and homemaker slash former criminal Martha Stewart. Yes. I don't actually know what Martha Stewart went for jail, to jail for. I just know she did some jail time. I think that was fraud actually, or tax evasion, or something like that. They kind of sort of agree to it and let him out. And we now get the best bit, which is Pac-Man. This is the only game, again, you have to kind of suspend your disbelief here. Because in every other game, the arcaders play the role of the heroes. Yeah. By the way, before you continue, Martha Stewart was accused of insider trading after she sold shares of Imclone Systems Mm. uh, stock a day before the stock plummeted. She was convicted of conspiracy, obstruction, and two counts of lying hey, to federal there's another gaming. There's another gaming connection, because that's what Yuji Naka's in jail for. Yes, Yuji Naka is, and a couple of others inside, even though Yuji Naka is most famous for Sonic the Hedgehog with Sega, he was with Square Enix at the time. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's largely Square Enix that have been done for it. Ah, uh, Square Enix. Or at anyway. least people within Square Enix, not the company right. itself. Impact Man, they're not the heroes, they are the villains. They take on the role of the four ghosts. This is In- so cool. Inky, Blinky, Pinky and Clyde. That's it, Inky, Blinky, Pinky and Clyde. And Clyde's the best one. This is the best bit, because they do it... Basically, they're in different coloured minis. Yes. And I'd, I'll be honest, I don't normally like minis. I'd have four of these. They work for this. Yeah. And it's Adam Sandler's in one. He's in the red one, I think. I can't remember which colours they're in, actually. So Adam Sandler's in one. Josh Gad's in the other. Peter Dinklage is in one. And for the fourth one, they decide to get... Because Kevin James hasn't really joined them yet, has he? He doesn't, yeah. He's not uh, joined until right at the he's end. He's on all the posters, but he's not really a main arcade, no. is he? Let's be honest. So then they go and get Toro Iwatani, Mr. Wayland Jutani. Um, <laughs> then they go and get Toro Iwatani, who is the creator of Pac-Man. Yep. Now, we should note that this is not the actual creator of Pac-Man playing the character. It's a different no. actor. But the actual creator of Pac-Man did have a little cameo earlier in the movie yeah, the as office. a repairman in the arcade scene. Yeah, as an arcade right? repairman. The only reason they didn't actually use him is he because can't speak any English. he can't speak any English. Yeah. But I did think it was cool that not only they got the real guy's name, but they, they brought the actual guy in. Yeah. Because there's, a lot of these things would have just made up a guy and it's just like, I don't yeah. know. Now, what we get now is what should be the funniest joke in the movie, except it was in every single trailer for this movie. Yep. So it was overplayed to death, which is they're all lined up in their cars, Pac-Man turns up, and Toro is like, wait, 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 let's not do this. I can speak to him. And they're all like, dude, what the fuck? And he's like, I created Pac-Man. He is my son. He's not a bad guy. And he gets out of his car and they're like, dude, dude, get back in your car. And he ignores them. And he walks up to Pac-Man and he's all like, look how much you've grown. I'm so proud of you, etc., etc. I know you're not a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. And he goes to like, pat, pat, 
Pac-Man on the face, like you'd pat, like you'd pat a horse on its nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to pat Pac-Man, and Pac-Man just goes nope, and bites, bites his, his hand off, and it pixelates. And then he runs away, going, "Ah, someone killed this thing, or something like that." Uh, this bitch. This bitch. Yeah. Somebody, somebody killed, killed this, this bitch. bitch. Um, and that's actually legitimately funny. I yeah, liked yeah. that. This whole sequence is genius. The problem is it was in all the trailers, so I already yeah. knew the punchline. Yeah, it is a shame. I understand why it was in the trailers, though, because it's got a great visual. Yeah. B, it is funny. Yeah. And C, how awesome this whole scene yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, Like, if you're going to put your best bits in, you would not miss this This bit is out. the best sequence in the entire film. Absolutely. Um, so the rules are exactly the rules of Pac-Man. They're going around this city, so the city is the maze. They can catch Pac-Man, but if Pac-Man gets a power-up dot, he has 10 seconds in which he can eat them. And whenever he does get a power-up dot, all their cars turn blue, just like how the ghosts turn blue in the game. Now, Michelle Monaghan is monitoring them on like a a high-tech map thing, and she notices that Eddie seems to be moving a lot faster than the character should be able to move. Yeah, he's getting ahead of the curve, and there's bits where it's like, oh, we'll never get to him in time, because obviously Pac-Man moves faster than the ghosts. Yes. But somehow Eddie's keeping up and manages to kill Pac-Man twice, I think. Yeah, but whenever she asks him how he's doing it, he's just like, don't worry about it, or, oh, I know a shortcut, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so, some BS answer. Eddie Eddie gets the first two kills on, because they've got to kill Pac-Man three times. Yeah. Eddie gets the first two, and then ends up trashing his car into the water. That's right, yeah. The last one is actually very well done, which is they very oh, they very specifically mention that Pac-Man only has 10 seconds to eat the ghost. And we've already established Adam Sandler's character is brilliant at pattern recognition. Yeah. So, Adam Sandler's the only ghost left in the game, because obviously, Toro was gone by this point josh gad is gone yeah i think josh, josh gad loses his vehicle before Pac-Man the first it in yeah before pac-man loses his first life i think yeah um and as we said peter dinklage is in the river sandler chases pac-man pac-man gets a dot in a they're in a multi-story car park aren't they no no he reverses into one. Oh, i thought they were in one when he gets no, the no. dot fair enough and what he does is, once Pac-Man gets the dot, Sandler starts reversing, but he's counting down as they go. Yeah, so like 10, 10, 9, 8, 7. Nine, eight. And what he does is deliberate because he, he knows Pac-Man is faster than the ghost. Yeah. He deliberately times it that he gets away just long enough and lets Pac-Man get him. Just as Pac-Man's mouth closes on him, the countdown ends. Yeah. So Pac-Man bites down. On a on a harmful ghost again, yeah, and therefore kills himself. Yep, that's good because it feels earned. It feels like a legit victory that this character. It works will get. within the mechanics of the game and the mechanics of the film that and the rules of the world and the game itself that is established yeah. within the movie. Yeah. And for winning this, the arcaders are given Cubert. Yes, as, as a, a prize. Yeah, fucking Cubert, a game that I don't think anyone ever actually played, but I see it. Everywhere. Oh no, Cubert was massive in the eighties. Was it? Yes, eighties arcades. We've argued about was this before. But I think eighties arcade. I think Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, Space Invaders is seventies. Yeah, but it was big in the eighties. It was also big in the late seventies. I don't. I don't know. I've just never heard of Cubert being big. Cubert was huge. Right. Okay. Just take my word for it. I, I will, I will. Um, Cubert's in this, and... Also, if Cubert wasn't huge, it wouldn't be in this film. Yeah. And you could see this coming a mile away, that there's going to be some some sexual humour with, yes, with the nose. with the nose. Now, what we inexplicably decide to do at this point, ladies and gentlemen, when we're down to, you know, it's last life versus last life. Yep. What we inexplicably decide to do is stop the movie. 
Yes. We just stop the movie, yeah. folks. They've got one more match the next day, and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. We're struggling to the third act. But it's all right. We're going to do a ballroom scene. Yeah. So, so we can do some more Adam Sandler, Michelle Monaghan flirting. Yeah. That romance that didn't work in the first act has come back strong and mm. literally delays the remaining film. Yeah. Now, it's a shame because we'll get to the act structure at the end because I do want to kick off about it. But the centipede part was really cool. The Pac-Man fight was even better. Mm. At this point, you're like, okay, this is a film I can get behind with these scenes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next challenge and like slamming towards the finish. Yeah. and But instead, I think it's at least 10 minutes, maybe 15, that we spend in this ballroom scene for a romance that doesn't work, for actors that have no chemistry together. And a cameo from Serena Williams. Yes. Which... Who is not an actress. No. I mean, she actually does fine in this for what... She's got to do. Yeah. Like, I've definitely seen worse non-actor cameos before. Absolutely. But I didn't need it. No. So in the ballroom scene, and absolutely nothing of interest happens, uh, Brian Cox has a go at Kevin James, the King of Queens. Uh, the King of Queens does a dance that's supposed to be funny because... It's Josh Gad, is it, not? It's 20, no, he has a go at Kevin James as well. But Kevin okay. James does that little dance when he comes in because, my God, we are still in the era of, oh, isn't it funny when a fat guy tries to dance? I thought it was Josh Gad because he's singing... Josh he, Gad he is singing sings, on stage. When Kevin James comes in, he's doing all this shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Trying to be like... Like oh, yeah, dad look, dancing, yeah. 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 Um, Oh, yeah, we get a twofer in this scene. Yeah. Two, Two fat, fat guys, guys dancing. dancing. Adam Sandler does... I can't believe we both said that in unison. Adam Sandler does some supposedly romantic bullshit with Michelle Monaghan, but none of it lands. <laughs> and who could possibly care? And um, the aliens get pissed because it turns out that Eddie cheated. Yeah, so they, we don't know who cheated yet. They just say, uh, Earthlings, because you've cheated, um, the rules of the... Of the competition are now yeah, off. You forfeited your last life. And now we're going to just invade. Planet's house. Yeah. And to quote Mars Attacks, nice, nice planet, planet. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah. God, that's a shit film, isn't it? Uh, that was Tim Burton. And it is Tim yeah. Burton. Do you want to know a funny thing about Mars Attacks? Go on. I had someone, I do not know who, bought me the novelization of Mars Attacks. Right. When I was a wee little lad. Right. And I read it. 20 times? Right. Over and over. Never saw the movie. Right. Just kept reading the novelization over and over. It sounded really good. And then I watched the movie when I was about 25. And it's not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Tim Burton trying to do comedy. The novelization is so much better. I didn't mind the film during the 90s, but I haven't seen it since the 90s. So I had it on VHS. You know what that sounds like? What? Prime candidate for second take. It probably is. It probably um, is. I remember it's got Tom Jones in it playing himself. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. It's not you can leave your hat on. Yeah, good old Tom Jones. Sex bomb, sex, sex bomb. bomb. You're my sex bomb. You can give it to me when I need to come along. Sex bomb, sex bomb. This You're... is more fun oh. than reviewing this movie. Right, let's move on. <clears throat> so no, no, we they... don't do the rest of the film. We're doing Tom Jones. This is welcome to the Tom Jones Appreciation <laughs> Podcast. Uh, what's your favorite Tom Jones song, Rory? Sex bomb, sex bomb. That's mine too. I guess yeah. that's the end of episode no, one. No, no, no. It has to be. It's not unusual because he performs it on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air while Carlton does his Carlton dance. Cool, cool. No one cares. I like the song he did with Stereophonics as well. Mama told me not to come. Yes. Yeah. So the alien, yeah, they they forfeit. 
no one cares. Aliens start taking over. This is our third act now. Yep. Um, Tetris turns up and wipes out a building. Yeah, so it's the middle of the day now. It's the next day. Yep. There's a huge attack. There's lots of different characters going around. There's like a Super Mario from Jumpman. Oh, yeah, you get one little Mario cameo. Yeah. Which 100%, because he doesn't do anything. No, he just runs past. That is definitely because the, he clearly was going to do something. He was going like, to jump on some cars or some shit. Yeah. And Nintendo were like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You cannot show Mario being a bad guy. No, so they just have him run past the screen. But there don't is a- have him then, honestly. No. Quite frankly, just don't have him. Mm, I don't know. Either way, there's a lot of things, but there is a couple of issues with this scene. So the arcaders, which now includes Monaghan and Kevin James, all run out to you know see the carnage that's happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff at this point is just copying the 2010 short. Yep. Verbatim. Yep. Including, as you say, the Tetris, Tetris. blocks blowing down the buildings, things like that. All shot-for-shot shot remakes, pretty much. But still, brilliantly done. There is a point where uh, Monaghan sees a Smurf singing to itself, a pixelated Smurf. La, 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 She shoots it dead with one of the light cannons and then turns to someone and goes, don't tell my son that I killed a Smurf. And here's the thing. Smurfs aren't video game characters. Mm. What the fuck's a Smurf doing here? I don't know. Was was there a popular Smurf arcade game that I don't know about? Even so, Smurf's not a video game thing. None of the rest of these characters have been video game. Have, have been, like, pop TV stuff. The whole point was that they were video games. And if it's not meant to be a creation of a video game, why is he pixelated? Mm. There's no, there's no reason for it to be a pixelated Smurf. The other one that doesn't make sense, though it is cool, I loved the inclusion, but it doesn't make sense within the framework of uh, the film, is the aliens actually directly communicate with the Arcaders via a big, huge CGI replication of Max Headroom, played again by the original actor Max, uh, Matt Frewer. Uh, who came back, it's the only time Max Hedrum has genuinely been CGI. Every other occasion is him in makeup to look CGI. He appears in the sky and basically states, uh, if you want to try and win your planet back, then you need to uh, beam up to the mothership, we'll allow you to come and compete in the last challenge. And we should also mention at this point, the aliens have kidnapped Monaghan's son, which is why she's joined the Arcaders. Now, again, Max Headroom sh- doesn't technically fit because he's a TV personality. He was ne- he, I think he did have a video game, but it was obviously after the series during, like, 89 to 1990. But he's not a video game character. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only, the only stretch you can make, I guess, is that the probe had all sorts of 80s culture on it, not just video games. But it does feel that you're right. It well, they had other culture, bit... but again, he's pixelated. No, he's not. He is pixelated. No, he's very smoothly animated. He's not. He is. He's... He, he is, Rory. I don't... But we'll know, have to look at it yeah, again, he, but he I'm fairly look, certain he's... He doesn't look like, say, Donkey Kong does and stuff. Let me just double-check that. Oh, okay, so it's kind of a mix. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that it's kind of a mix. The reason so it's it's kind of odd. So he's pixelated at the bottom of his torso, right? And he's pixelated around the edge of the sort of wireframe room that was part of his show, but the actual wireframe room itself and he himself, you're right, are very smooth. Mm. So it's kind of a mixture of both. I'm obviously remembering the pixelated 
element of it, but you're right. He he himself is actually quite smoothed over. I guess this is sort of an extension of the deep fakery they were doing earlier in the film. But you are right. It it does feel a bit like we've gone from a specific video game thing to a generic all 80s nostalgia thing. The only thing is, um, I will accept Max Hedrum way more than a Smurf. And the reason being that Smurf has fuck all to do with video games. Max Hedrum may not be to do with video games, but he is meant to be an AI character. Am I not right? I could be wrong, but I'm sure there wasn't one of like the most famous games of the 80s a Smurf game. I, 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 so. I do appreciate that they're not originally video game characters, but I'm sure there was a very famous Smurf game. But, I, but it might be too late, because I feel like it was on the Mega Drive, which would be the 90s. There was one in 93, but there was one in 1982, Smurf res- Rescuing Gargamel's Castle. Uh, is there any other ones? There's Smurf Save the Day in 1983. Well, this was all based on 82 stuff, remember? So, yeah, I'm so guessing it's that first one you said. Yeah, Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle. Let's see if there's anything more about it. So it's a video game in which the player must brave a series of obstacles to rescue Smurfette from Gilgamesh's castle. It was released... Oh, it was planned for the Intellivision, but it only came out for the Atari 2600 and the ColecoVision. Mm. That's pretty much all I've got on it. It doesn't right. state its success rate, though. It does. Um, yeah, it does feel like a weird choice. It must be one of those things where they're like... Maybe they like got the rights cheap or like realised they already had the rights somehow and went, Maybe. fuck it, let's use it. There's nothing on here to suggest that there w- that the Smurfs video games were specifically popular. My belief that the my belief in the reason why the Smurfs are included is because it's something that is genuinely from the eighties that is still recognisable by children today. And there were video games in the eighties, so they kind of head cannoned their way into having it. To be honest, the joke was shit. I would have done without the joke. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It didn't add to anything because the kid never finds out she killed a Smurf. No. So it doesn't pay off anyway. So Max Headroom invites them to go up to the mothership. Kevin James and Eddie, who's now come back to the team, decide to stay behind. Josh Gad and Eddie stay behind. Kevin James goes up to the mothership. You're right. Sorry, my bad. Are you being being fattest? Are you saying all fat men look the same to you? Josh, Gad, and Eddie stay behind to fight and save humanity, while the rest go up to the spaceship in order to take on the big bad. And it turns out that the game they're being challenged to is Donkey Kong. Because of course. Yes. Of course you couldn't guess that from the opening. Yeah. So, this is a cool sequence as well. If they fucked off the dance bit and just moved from Pac-Man to this... Mm. I would have been happier yeah, because that slowdown moment didn't need to exist. But this sequence is quite good. They have to climb their way up. Donkey Kong has, instead of having Pauline in the cage, it has... The three trophies. No, no, it has Michelle Monaghan's son. Yeah, Michelle Monaghan's son, and it's got the other two trophies. Oh, that's it. All three trophies are in the cage. Donkey Kong is throwing barrels down as he's expected to. There's fire coming around. All of the elements are correct, but there's no Mario because, of course, that's the role of the arcaders in this game. And there's the hammer as well, which comes in useful later on. The thing is, they've brought Cubit with them. Cubit's only role is to sort of be there to try and... I suppose it's the idea is that he's there to be the cute pet character, but he's just annoying. He does nothing of relevance 
the problem is neither does anyone except Sandler. Yeah. Because you've yeah you've added Michelle Monaghan to the arcaders, and all she does is become the damsel in distress. Yeah, she falls off the edge of one of the platforms, platforms and Sandler has to come and rescue her. Yeah. Kevin James does nothing. Not not really a film that scores well for female empowerment, is it? No. Bear in mind that basically she's just been a bitch the whole time and now she's a damsel in distress. Yeah. And you're like, great. And she's the only female character of note in the film. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, you've got the Williams. Yeah, Serena and, Williams. Yeah, yeah. But she's not a main character. No, she's a cameo at best. Yeah. This is the only main character without a dick. <laughs> and she does nothing of relevance. Yeah. Yeah, neither does Kevin James. His whole character does fuck all. So it's left to Sandler to jump down, grab the hammer, smash through the barrels, and then this is cool. This is bit I really liked is when it's revealed to him that the reason he lost the tournament in 1982 wasn't because he wasn't the best player. It was because Eddie cheated on him. Yeah. So he is the best Donkey Kong player. And he shouts something yeah, like, I've right. been waiting 30 years to do this, throws the hammer. Yeah. And smashes through Donkey Kong. Okay, I just got to point this out. I know I'm being a spoiler sport for everyone here, Go but on. here's the thing. One, you're a grown man, get over it. Oh, it's a great moment. And B, were the greatest Donkey Kong player, were in 1982. Again, you have not played in a very long time, and your reflex would have slowed. Don't get me wrong, like, find the film. But you said the, earlier, the it doesn't works. matter about that, because this he's not playing it the way he would have played the, the ending, arcade machine. The ending works. The ending does work. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying... Don't ruin my fun. They're making this, like, the whole... Ju- the only journey Sandler's character goes yeah. on is to realise he actually is the best. From a guy who produced the film... Yeah. ...is vomit-worthy. Yeah. And it's also... It, it, it's not the moment of victory. I'm sorry, I know this probably makes me a cunt, but it's not the moment of victory you think it is. You're a 45-year-old man who the best news you've ever had is that you didn't lose in a tournament yeah. in 1982. So, the way they should have done this, sorry. He should have realised he'd wasted his life is what he should have done. No, what they should have done with this in order to give him better of an arc. Again, he is the world's nerdiest nerd, but as he grew up, he thought he was too cool for it. So he loses all of his friends, except for Kevin James, who is the president. And then, the way that the actual arcade things go, he comes in, he does the same thing he does with Centipede. They realise that that's the way out. The next game is Donkey Kong. Mm -hmm. They play Donkey Kong, Eddie cheats on it the way he cheated before, because it's stated that he cheated at Donkey Kong, and not at Pac-Man. So he cheats at Donkey Kong... They win Donkey Kong, and then the next day it's like, right, well, because you cheated, we're just going to destroy your town. Mm. They bring in Pac-Man. Pac-Man is going to destroy literally everything because it's mobile. Donkey Kong isn't mobile. So Pac-Man is literally destroying the city, mm. and the only way they can wi- they can defeat him is to become the ghosts. At that point, the four ghosts you get, you'll have um Toro Iwatani he loses his arm and that's when Kevin James jumps on and goes look I can't leave them a, a man down now you've got all your four arcaders in the four cars and this is the point where Sandler has to have have gone through an arc where he thought he was too cool for his friends now he needs them to win and he realizes he can't win by himself he can't be the only ghost and win because Pac-Man's too fast. Yeah. So he has to use his friends and like sometimes sacrifice them. And then he can win with that reversing timing shit that he does in the actual scene. Yeah. Win the battle against Pac-Man and save the world. 
because that way he has an arc in, with his friend saving him. And let's be honest, as much as I like this Donkey Kong sequence, the Pac-Man sequence is way better and yes. makes for a better finale. Yes. Um, so that way you would give him an arc where it's not just, I had to realise I was perfect from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a shit arc. Meanwhile, back down on the ground, Eddie and Lulu Lemonsoft are fighting. Mm. Now, something you need to know about Lulu Lemonsoft, he is obsessed with a game character called Lady Lisa. He literally has posters of her on his wall. Yes, she is an 8-bit pixelated character, but somehow he wants to stick his dick in that anyway. She turns up amongst all the other 8-bit pixelated characters, but for reasons that really don't exist in the film narrative at all and exist purely because the film wants to an excuse to show us a babe she unpixelates into a beautiful young woman yep for no reason immediately as well it's not yeah. like she she's saved and turned she literally walks out as pixels and just goes yep. into real life Yep. Graphics. Spends about 10 seconds trying to kill Josh Gad before he confesses his love and that convinces her to turn good. Yes, yeah, so that it's I'm going to quote that line and the reason is is I want to submit it as a worse line. Yeah. It is quite possibly the worst line of the film. Surprisingly enough, there wasn't as many bad worse lines as I was expecting. This isn't still not a good film overall, but the actual number of worse lines some sort of match the bullshit we've had before. This doesn't do too well. Anyway, so his line is this, you win, I'm not going to fight you anymore, okay, I know that you have love in your heart, and I know that I could make you happy, but if you need to kill me, you're just going to have to go ahead and kill me, at least I can die a happy man, knowing that I found true love. S is for simp. Yes. So she drops her sword, and then they kiss passionately. Yep. Uh, they fight side by side, meanwhile the Donkey Kong Why did that happening. work? And... Toru Iwatani being, like, caring for his son Pac-Man didn't. Because, babe. If it was Miss Pac-Man, we'd be talking a different story. Meanwhile, uh, while the battle's happening upstairs, this is happening downstairs, and they defeat Donkey Kong, the aliens admit defeat, and all of the people attacking Eddie and Josh Gad uh, crumble back into pixels, including... Lady Lisa, who turns back into pixels and is taken away. We sort of skip a bit, don't we? We have like an award ceremony yeah. type thing. Because, you know, why not rip the ending off of Star Wars? Uh, <laughs> where the president is giving out medals and Josh Gad gives a little sad emo speech where he's like, well, I'm really glad we saved the world and everything and I'm glad that I learned these lessons, but, oh, yes. you know, I've lost... I've lost my one true love. No, somewhere is... I'm going to have to find that quote because it's terrible... She made an appearance, and while you guys were out, you know, saving the world, you kind of destroyed his. You knew this girl for literally two seconds, and she wasn't even a real girl. She's an 8-bit, 8-bit, 8-bit girl. Essentially, this is like if you walked in and popped someone's blow-up doll with a pin, and it's like, what you got to understand is you ruined his world. <laughs> this is how upset I was when they rebooted Lara Croft. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. It's just because it's so cheesy. And the fact is, it gets rewarded. Oh, yeah. So then Qbert goes <laughs> and turns into Lady Lisa. Yep. Uh, and this dude fucks Qbert. 
Also, Let's be honest, you're supposed yeah. to just think, you know, oh, he's fucking this hot blonde. Yep. No, no, this dude is fucking Cuba. And I guarantee you five minutes after this film ends, he gets it to change back so he can use that suction nozzle. Well, here's guarantee the thing. It. We know at some point that may have happened because there's a post-credit sequence mm. that's played for the last, obviously. There's baby Cubits yeah. in the crib. He, he, uh, <laughs> they, they, they breed. <laughs> yeah. So Lady Lisa didn't... Like the whole point is that Cuba and Lady Lisa are separate characters, mm. but now they're not. Now they're not. So, so did Cuba just want to get railed? So, did <laughs> the question is, did he have sex with a Cuba, or well, either way, he's had sex with Cuba, but did he turn Lady Lisa back into Cuba shape, or did Lady Lisa go to a hospital and give birth to Cubits? If so, what was the doctor's reaction when he delivered those babies? Yeah, because there's well, like four uh, or five of them as well. It's uh, she had a litter of Cubits. Yes, yes. Meanwhile, Eddie is rewarded as well. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, debasing themselves, Serena Williams and fucking Martha Stewart are suddenly up for this threesome. Was Martha Stewart there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, remember seeing her. Yeah, yeah. He looks up at the White House. Oh, and they're Serena both in the Williams window. Serena Williams is badly animated in there. Yeah. She's waving him up. And then Martha Stewart walks in holding like a fresh cooked turkey or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And he's all like, hell yeah. And no more taxes. Um, Garbage. Garbage, yeah. garbage, garbage, garbage. Yeah. It's, 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 I think that's about enough for the film's storyline, as it's as it were. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that is the whole storyline. The biggest problem this story has, other than, like, we've, we've talked about certain issues with there being no character arcs for certain characters, things like that, issues with uh, chemistry. The other big issue that this has, even with those, even if you were to ignore those problems, is pacing. The first act is too long, certainly for a comedy movie. We spend so much time setting up the romance that doesn't work and not getting to any actual action. Uh, We don't actually get to the centipede fight until about 45 minutes in. So we've spent 45 minutes with it just being Adam Sandler running around thinking he's too cool for school with Kevin James playing a bad George W. Bush impression for 45 minutes, and then it's like, oh, by the way, here's Centipede. Now, when Centipede arrives, Act 2 is blinding, I think. There's some pr- issues with Act 2, but there, the, prom- the problems with Act 2 are caused by Act 1. Mm. Act 2 itself is actually brilliant. Centipede comes along, we have Pac-Man, that's all fine. Act 3 then chops, basically takes the pace out again with that horrendous fucking ballroom scene and then has a decent enough third act, but unfortunately it doesn't make up for the pitfalls of act one, the ballroom scene, and it then screws itself with the fucking Lady Lisa Cubert scenario. Mm -hmm. So... Act 3 would have been okay by itself with Act 2, but Act 1 ruins the lot. Yeah. And unfortunately, the payoffs for Act... Uh, certainly the payoffs for Act 3 are marred by the terrible setups in Act 1 because there is nothing to pay off. Oh, yes, Adam Sandler is the greatest man in the world. Mm. Oh, yes, Kevin James is a good president. Oh, yes, she will fancy him even though yeah. they've got no reason and no chemistry. Oh, yes, Eddie will fuck one of the Williams sisters. This movie is a no from me, dog. You're going to say a solid no? Oh, yeah, this is awful. It's got about three good lines in it. Yeah. It's not worth sitting through a two-hour movie for three good lines. I will say this, though, and I'm sorry to contradict you on this, uh, Jamie, but I'm not going to recommend it. 
I'm going to stick with no. But I will say this. As, as a no, it's kind of high no. Mm. Because I genuinely enjoy this film. I will watch this again at some point. Yeah. But I am aware that my reasons for liking this are kitsch. It's because the film itself is fun. It's not brilliant. It's not laugh out loud hilarious. But when it's good, it's really good. I, like, I found myself smiling watching it. Right. And sometimes with an, with an entertainment... This is not a deep film. It's an entertainment film. And as an entertainment film, that's all I want, is to yeah, be able to sit there and go, you know what? I'm actually enjoying myself. But it does take Act 2 to start that. Act 1... I'll basically do chores throughout Act 1 and then enjoy Act 2 onwards. And the Cubit thing does spoil the third act a lot for me. I'm not going to recommend it, but I do want to add a caveat that I enjoy the film. And if you like stuff that's at least a bit kitsch, you probably will get something out of it. It is quite unique as well. It's unusual for a culture film to be this steeped in video game references. So if you are looking for a film with some of that element to it, you probably will enjoy it. But I think the vast majority of people will get nothing out of this film. The only other thing I want to add before we sort of settle up is on cyberpunkstudios.co.uk, I've started doing a series of blogs, and I'm going to release around the time that we release the episodes, of what video game references are in each film. Go to cyberpunkstudios.co.uk, go to blog, type in VGMP in the search bar, and you'll find all of our films. Uh, I'll be re-releasing with the Reduxes as well as uh, with the Season 5 episodes. And you can get the visuals of all the references. So if you are into that, then at least there's something there interesting for you to watch. Other than that, have you got anything you want to add, Jamie? I do not. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, brilliant first episode of Season 5 for VGMP. We have rated two films, Pixels 2010, which we both recommended, and Pixels 2015, which we both didn't recommend. If you want to catch up with us more on the chat, then go to www.vgmovie.co.uk and you can find a link there to our Discord. We're very active on the Discord, so if you do want to get in, have a word, make your suggestions, make a comment on what you thought of the film, then please dive in, let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, you know, what you want to have a, 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 any disagreements or agreements about. And you can also join us both on our sister show, also on Impala Films Network, Second Take Cinema, also known as STC, where we take normal non-video game movies and we discuss uh we give them a second chance basically they're films that we either liked or not liked and we want to give them a second take some of those have been controversial such as my very big dislike for goodfellas and some of them kind of end up following a trend where we've watched something that we thought was good and we've agreed it's still good and sometimes they're just interesting films that are worth discussing independent films like we've just recently done a film called performance which is a very small early 70s British movie. If you're into sort of more niche cinema, you might get something out of that as well. Alternatively, you can catch Jamie on his own series, also on Impala Films, called Haunted the Audio Drama, where he plays the lead character of James Hunter. Um, he can do the voice better than I can, for obvious reasons. And I play Dan. No. Oh. <laughs> 
You play Preston Connors. I play Preston Connors extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> but I'm only a recurring character. It's James's series uh, and also lead produced and also written by his compadre, uh, Benton Hodges. Yep. Compadre. Compadre. Is compadre, is it? What did I say? Compadre. No end <laughs> It's compadre. I have anyway. I have spoiled Spanish. Make sure you check us out on all of the bullshits. Add us, subscribe, leave a star review. If you could possibly leave a star review, we'd be so grateful because that's the sort of thing that determines whether the algorithm will show us to other people or not. Yep. Um, if you've got any friends who you think would be interested in talking about video game movies, please do pass on the show to them. Anything and everything to make the audience bigger, baby. Yeah, boy. And with that being said. It's time to unplug, get a life, <laughs> and go outside. Let's touch some grass together. Touch, touch grass. Let's touch I grass. I fucking hate that saying. <laughs> touch grass. I fucking hate that saying. For starters, you all pronounce it wrong. It's grass, not grass. Grass. Uh, it's grass. Grass. Your ass is grass, as no, they say. No, because ass is grass. Ass is grass. Ass is grass. Point is, don't go out and touch grass. It's garbage, and you'll probably get Lyme disease from a tick or something. Yeah, it's go out true. and touch concrete. Concrete over everything. It's all good. <laughs> stay, stay indoors. For all of you that live in a car park, stay indoors and play video games. <laughs> play Alan Wake 2. Oh. Won't regret it. You won't regret it, I promise. Game over, yeah! Cyberpunk Studios.